Amen. Thank you for that rousing hymn. Let's turn in our Bibles to the book of Luke. <clears throat> Look in chapter 22. We are uh, into the biography of Peter. We haven't come to this part yet. But this uh, prompts a subject for me to, this morning. Verse 31, Luke 22, verse 31. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, Behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. O oh Lord, please bless the message today. Speak to our hearts, Father. We need you. We need the Holy Spirit. We need the Word of God. We need encouragement, especially in these last days before you come. Come, Lord Jesus, meet with us today. Teach us today, in Jesus' name, amen. I want to talk today about God sifting his people. <clears throat> now it says, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. <clears throat> this is part of God's sifting, allowing Satan to sift. Now the Lord didn't say, but Peter, I've prayed for thee, and uh, the, Satan's not going to sift you. He didn't say that. He said, I pray that your faith fail not. Satan's going to do the sifting. Or God, through God. God sifts his people. We already talked about the early part of the ministry of the Lord in the life of Peter where the Lord said you've got to eat my flesh and drink my blood or you have no part with me and the, all those multitudes said this is a hard saying who can know it and many of them left him Peter said but to whom shall we go thou hast the words of eternal life and we know you're the Messiah we are sure you're the Christ the Son of God. Jesus was sifting. He was sifting people. And a lot of times he does that. <clears throat> I've seen him sift preachers who said they were called to preach. And before long, things came into their life and choices came into their life and they were sifted out. They never preached. I remember a fellow that went to our Bible school <clears throat> He was so energetic. <clears throat> young man. Tall, good-looking young man. And uh, he uh, was on the route to, to be a wonderful preacher, I thought. And he married a, a graduate of Bob Jones. And they were, he was in our, and then he came to our school. Did well, I thought. And then his father-in-law got him involved in a money-making scheme. He, what, what he was doing was painting houses. Uh, he was a painting contractor. And what he did was 
<clears throat> on the brand new houses was going up, he would go in there and do the first painting all around. <coughs> and uh, he began to make a lot of money, and after a while, he dropped out. He never did preach. God sifted him out. Others, I can name, have been sifted out. God's sifting of the saints is real. And it's coming to you if it hadn't already. There is no rest for the people of God in this life. Jesus said in the world you shall have tribulation. The churches, for example, have never been completely pure. We've always had the tares mixed with the wheat and the chaff. They got blown away. Even the church in the wilderness had the mixed multitude. Remember that? They caused trouble all the time. <laughs> Even the Lord's disciples, there was a Judas there. Paul had Alexander the coppersmith. No sooner had the Lord a church after the time of his ascension into heaven, then the church began to multiply through the Pentecostal blessing. Then Herod rose up. He took a sieve and sifted the church terribly. Boy, he was a tyrant. Threw him into prison. He used a man by the name of Saul of Tarsus to beat them, arrest them. Throw them into prison. Have them executed. <clears throat> Persecution set in after Pentecost and many people left. We didn't count on this. When I joined the church at Jerusalem, I wasn't counting on this right here. I've seen people today after they got saved and come into church Persecution come into their life. And they said, well, I wasn't counting on this when I got saved and turned to the Lord. This was not in the deal I made with the Lord. The deal I made with the Lord, I saw a preacher on TV who said something good is going to happen to you today. And something bad happened to me today. until from Pentecost until now the pages of history is red with the blood of faithful Christians and there's a there's a classic books that you should read <clears throat> the martyrs of the church martyrs uh, uh, right now the, the title of it just escapes me. But there's two or three of those books, classic books, and they tell about people who were faithful to the Lord in the face of persecution, in the face of being burned at the stake. Can you imagine being burned at the stake? But what they don't say in those books is the many millions who turned away from God who got sifted out. There's a lot of them. A lot of them. That wasn't part of the deal. I didn't know about this part. 
There's a lot of them. I'm glad they're not in the book because those books are made for our encouragement to give us courage to stand up to the persecution. Persecutions of pagan emperors through seas of blood. Somebody said that there was so much blood it would fill the Mediterranean Sea. And then you have the Church of Rome and the many millions that they slaughtered in the mountains. Your fathers, your spiritual forefathers, they just came with armies in the mountain and surround the village. And they would tell them, we brought a priest for you to be your priest. And they'd say, we already got a preacher right over here. And they'd say, you don't understand. If you don't take this priest, we're going to kill everybody in the village. That happened. Many, more than once. And they'd say, well, will you let us think about it? And then they'd get together and they'd say, let's run. But they already had them surrounded. <clears throat> and they killed them. And here's why they did. To empower the Church of Rome. And they got these soldiers who got the booty, you see. They got to take whatever they could find, you know. It was awful. We don't know what... Uh, these times. They may be coming. Again, I don't know. <clears throat> Before the rapture. <clears throat> the church was sifted during those days. The faithful. Going to find out who's a man and who's not a man. Going to find out who's a woman and who's not a woman. We're going to test you. You may have a bodily problem. You know, and you feel sorry for yourself. So-and-so don't have this problem. How come I got this problem, you know? God may be sifting you. He may be trying you. He may be, I don't know. Maybe a test. Paul had a bodily problem. He had a body problem. He had eye troubles. He had to have a doctor go around with him all the time. What happened? He stayed true to God anyway. We believe he eventually was decapitated. <clears throat> These people were happy to gain the safety of the world, to compromise with apostasy, because they could not afford to lose their life for the truth's sake. The cross was too heavy for them. But thank God the church is better off without them. <clears throat> Whenever Georgie Vins, when I was in Bible school, there was a Russian Christian by the name of Georgie Vins. Ever heard of him? V-I-N-S. He was a Baptist pastor over in Russia. He was in prison many times. His father was killed by the Russians. He was a pastor, his father. And when Jimmy Carter was president, uh, they exchanged prisoners. They exchanged prisoners, and Georgie Vance got to come to America. They told him, "Don't you ever come back to Russia?" So he came to America, and he was embraced by the Independent Baptist crowd. And he went around preaching. He came to our Bible Institute, <clears throat> and uh, he refused to learn English. 
He said, Russia is my language. So he had an interpreter with him. And so I wanted to know, does his Bible come from the Texas Receptus or does it come from the Alexandrian Manuscript? So through the interpreter, I got him in the hallway. I said, what does your Bible say on a verse? It was Revelation 22, 18. And uh, <clears throat> I said, what does that verse say in the Russian Bible? He grabbed his Bible. He jerked it back. He said, this Russian Bible is the best translation in the world. <laughs> he loved the Word of God. And he resented somebody bringing it into question. And guess what I found out? Textus Receptus all the way. It matched King James word for word. The Russian Bible <clears throat> that he used. Comes from the Orthodox people. The Byzantine text. Uh, our text. <clears throat> you know what he said? He got up and preached. Through the interpreter. He had preached the interpreter. Stand over here and preach to us. And he said that the Lord put up the Berlin Wall and the Iron Curtain. He said that was the Lord that did that. And he said to protect the Russian people from the weak, watered-down Christianity of the West. And I thought, that's right, man. <laughs> A lot of people didn't like that. That's the kind of Christian he was. He was something else, boy. I was privileged to go uh, to the airport pick him up. They let the seniors go pick up the speakers at the airport. Well, I, I picked him up at the airport. <clears throat> and uh, he was there, and I told through the interpreter, I said, well, it looks like America's been good to you. You're nice and round and rotund and everything. And he looked at me. I said, I've been trying to lose a little weight myself. You know what he said to me? He said, spend some time in a Soviet concentration camp. That'll get the weight off of you. <laughs> He's a tough old bird, wasn't he? God bless his memory. God sifted out the church in Russia and got all the weak water people out. Persecution. <clears throat> But church is better off without them. My brethren, if the worst come, if violence again come to us, we must stay faithful to God as our spiritual forefathers did. Weak and feeble as we are today, when we get filled with the Holy Spirit, we can be strong. Now I want to talk to you about sifting of the saints. Sifting, sifting. <clears throat> There's the sieve of heresy that used to sift us. It's a sieve, man. It's heresy. Early in the church days, there arose men who taught contrary to the truth. Cunning, smooth-talking men, crafty men, using arguments, and human logic but contradicted the Bible. And many followed their pernicious ways. There's Romanism, the Church of Rome came along. Calvinism, 
teaching people that God chooses only a certain few and the rest are bound to go to hell no matter what. Then there's Pentecostalism that teaches all the wild gyrations of emotionalism and false healings and false tongues and all of the jazzy music and the um, immoral attitudes and practices of the clergy in that movement and in the laity. And then there's the cults like the Jehovah's Witnesses and the Mormons and the other cults that drain off people. It's just amazing to me. Good, faithful, independent, Bible-believing Baptist. You turn around there, going to the Jehovah's Witness or going to the Church of Christ or going to uh, the Mormons. And you, I talked to one one time. He, he went to Pillsbury Bible College. We were in the Navy together. Next time I saw him, he believed in baptism of regeneration. I said, how'd that happen? <laughs> he said, they really opened my eyes to the Word of God. How did that happen? Been sifted out. God sifting the church. Getting rid of them. The chaff and the gravel and the dirt. And then there's humanism. <clears throat> that sifts people. The belief in mankind, the belief in all you can be. Be all you can be, man. <laughs> and uh, human, uh, one of the branches of humanism is anti-King James Bible. The foundational teaching of the anti-King James Bible is that God did not produce the Bible. Man has to produce it. God in, uh, inspired the original. But that was over 1,600 years. And humans had to put it all together. And humans made mistakes. <clears throat> Humanism. They leave out the preservation of God and the providence of God and God's own working. Many follow those ways. And next thing you know, they're gone. And then you have the sieve of preaching. To many people, plain preaching is distasteful. They don't like <laughs> plain preaching. They want to be patted on the back and praised and extolled. They want human nature lifted up high. <clears throat> they want sweet things told to them. Positive things. The power of positive thinking. Preach unto us. Prophesy smooth things unto us. That's what they told the prophets. <clears throat> but the genuine gospel, don't preach that. All men are sinners, that's, that's too plain. I'm going over to this other church that preaches more psychology and friendly and nice. <clears throat> this uh, acts like a sieve for vain and foolish people who are offended at that which searches and tries their heart. They pack up and leave. The Holy Spirit searching my heart. Oh, wow. 
I don't want anybody searching my heart. You know why? Because it's black in there. Amen. Terrible. This is a natural result of faithful ministry. They left Christ. Yeah. This is a hard saying. But you know what we need to do? We need to let the chaff blow off. And remember this. <clears throat> the same sun that hardens the clay melts the wax. That's what our old time preachers used to tell us. He's preaching the word of God. Well, some people, they get all hardened and they get mad and they leave. And others, it melts them. And they come and get born again. I well remember when I was just a young man. I've just got saved a matter of weeks or months. <clears throat> and uh, Dr. Bell, Billy Graham came to town. Came to Virginia Beach, 1974. Billy Graham came to town. And Pastor Bell organized, you know, tried to tell people about Billy Graham and his ecumenicalism and all that. And a woman in the back of the church, I mean, this church held 1,500 people. She stood up and shook her fist at him and walked out. Now, she didn't cause a ruckus or anything, but a lot of people saw that. The same preaching that hardened some people melts. The clay. We're going to have to sever from those folks. The sieve. And then trials and tribulations. They're very severe to many of us. Now you young people haven't run into much. And I hope you don't run into money. But they can be bad. Deep, dark days of trials discouragement and despair. <clears throat> it's hard to describe it till you go through it yourself. Some of you are old enough, you've been through these deep, dark days, persecution and despair. Some people have had to go to prison for nothing except preaching the Word of God. I remember Dr. Paisley. <clears throat> he was preaching in Northern Ireland. And they took him and put him in jail. <laughs> they said, we'll shut him up. He's, the gospel's spreading all around. They're leaving the Church of Ireland. They're going to the Free Presbyterian Church. And they put him in jail. You know what he did? When he got in the cell, he broke down weeping. They were tears of joy. He said, I told the Lord, he said, Lord... I can't believe that I'm honored enough to go to prison for you like the old-time saints. I've had it so good all these years. Now I'm worthy to go to prison. He was so happy. <laughs> that defeated the devil, didn't it? It was something else. And then you have not only the sieve of trials, trials of your family, trials of your children, <clears throat> trials of the church family. All kind of problems come into our life. Trials and tribulations. And people just give up and quit on God. They just give up. It's too hard. I had it easier when I was going to the honky-tonks. Yeah. Yeah, I had a bunch of buddies there. <laughs> Man, 
But now, look at me. I can't afford to pay my bills. My son had a car wreck and he's in the hospital now. Trials and tribulations come, buddy. How you got to see God's shaking that sieve. Are you going to shake out? Or are you going to stay? Satan hath desired to sift you as wheat. <clears throat> I remember when I was in Virginia Beach, I was working my way through Bible school at the Naval Air Rework Facility, and I ran into a man. He was a member of a great rich family. He was the dark black sheep of the family. Everybody else in his family, highly educated. They had uh, franchises. They had uh, <clears throat> drugstores. And uh, I mean, they, they were just way up across society. He wasn't. He was the bad sheep of the family. He had been drinking, dropped out of school, and was trying to get his, had a wife, got, she divorced him, messed up, thing, all kinds of things like that. <clears throat> and he was trying to get his life straightened out. Me and him worked together. And his son was so rebellious that his wife, former wife, called him up and said, you got to take him. I can't do anything with him. He's dangerous. I'm scared of him. And so he come all the way from up north down to Virginia and lived with his daddy. And he came to me and he said, oh, Brother Schoolfield, can you go talk with him? And I said, yeah. So we went and visited him. <clears throat> and boy, you never saw such a hard-hearted, sneering little rebel come walking in there with his buddies. And there's about four of them, and they had a girl with them. And you could tell what she was by looking at her. She was the only girl with all those boys. <clears throat> and boy, were they aggravated with me and sneered, rebellious. And I stayed there for a while and talked with them and tried Finally went home. A couple of months later, maybe three or four months later, he came to me and said, Brother Schoolfield, they've had a big wreck. Would you go visit my son in the hospital? I said, yeah. I said, how bad is he hurt? He said, well, he's not hurt real bad. It's going to be a while before he gets out of the hospital. I said, this is it. This will wake him up. <clears throat> and he said there was a girl with him, and she got killed. I don't know who that was. So I went to visit him in the hospital. And I started dealing with him. He was aggravated that he was in the hospital. He was aggravated that the girl got killed. He wasn't sorry. They had picked up a big old-fashioned radio. You know the old-fashioned radios of the 40s that stood on kind of like a TV? big one of those. They picked one of those up because it was an antique. And they were driving along and they turned over and that radio had crushed her skull and killed her. <clears throat> and you know what he said to me? He said, we just barely turned over. I don't, she must have had a soft head or something. <laughs> he was not one bit sorry, not one bit repentant. <clears throat> That girl had been killed. Now, I don't know exactly who the girl was, but I had an idea. I made no headway with him. He had already hardened his heart. What about you? <clears throat> I 
when you get that way, buddy, mm-mm-mm. I was dealing with a man one time. He had a wreck up here on Highway 127 going toward Jamestown. He run off the road and hit somebody. They had to take a helicopter and get them to uh, UT train, uh, Center. Barely saved their life. I went to visit him in the hospital. I thought he'd be he'd wake up. He was defiant and cussing. Hmm. I said, well, what about that woman? He said, I wish I'd have hit him harder. He just tried to run me off. God's sifting people. He's getting the rocks out and the dirt out. He's purifying the church. There's a sieve of trials and tribulation. We've had people here who were faithful, and you thought, man, they were, we're just so glad to have them. And then trial come in their life, all of a sudden they're gone. They didn't count on that. This is too hard. <clears throat> God sifted his church. What about you? Are you going to fall out? Or are you going to stay in with God? And then there's the sieve of prosperity. I don't remember who said this, but one preacher said, where one man has been ruined by adversity, 10,000 men have been destroyed by prosperity. When men get into that sieve and become rich, they cannot attend to the little meeting house they once attended. <clears throat> They're too big for their former brethren. Few men can endure long continued undisturbed prosperity. It's hard. It gets a hold of you. It gets in your heart, man. <clears throat> After a while, you begin to love that money. Now, don't get me wrong. I. <laughs> I like money. <laughs> I wish I had more of it. But I hope it don't ever get a hold of my heart. And I'm willing to do anything to increase it or to keep my status or whatever it is. There was a valley in uh, Italy, Capua, you can still look at it, you can still find it. And uh, it was a rich valley. It's on the coast, on the west coast of Italy, down below Rome, <clears throat> around the Naples area. It was very rich. It produced all kind of fruit, every, everything you can think of. It was if you went into that valley, you lived a life of luxury. Hannibal, the great general, brought his troops over the Alps in the cold weather. They defeated army after army. They'd come right on down. They got to that valley. Man, they began to live a life of luxury down in there. You know what happened to them? They got defeated. We're like that. <clears throat> it's in the battle and service that veteran soldiers are bred. It's a sieve of prosperity. And then there's a sieve of peer pressure. Well, other people are doing it. You know, did you notice the way that woman looked at me? 
They're going the way of the world. I'm still live, trying to live right. They're kind of eyeballing me, you know. And so you change a little bit. The sieve of peer pressure. And that's what happened to Peter, wasn't it? That night, or not many days after. Peter was standing around there warming his hands to the enemy's fire, and they said, Wait a minute, aren't you one of them? Nobody else was there. Why didn't Peter stand up and say, Yes, I'm a disciple of the Lord. I have been with him. I've seen his miracles. I know for a fact he's the Messiah and he's the Christ. Yes, I'm one of them. But that's not what Peter said, was it? He said, I'm not one of them. They said, you talk like a Galilean. you got a Galilean accent. Your speech berayeth you, tells the truth about you. And he got to where he cussed the woman. Peer pressure. And that gets a lot of people, especially young people. Who wants to be the oddball? <clears throat> Everybody else is doing it. I've told you many stories about that. <clears throat> that is a powerful pressure on people. Because they look at you. What are you going to do? Well, if you've already revealed to them that you're a Christian, if they look at you and get you to do what they're doing, that gives them an excuse. Yeah, I know him. He claims this, but you know, he did that with us the other night, other day. God sifted his church. He sifted the youth group. He's sifting the singles group. He's sifting people by peer pressure. And then there's the sieve of vanity. In Isaiah, he said that God was going to sift the nations with the sieve of vanity. Vanity? That's nothing. Silly stuff. America is caught up in vanity. We watch soap operas. Soap operas are not as popular as they used to be. But in North Carolina, a preacher told me that at a prayer meeting, this is back in the 70s, a woman raised her hand and wanted to ask prayer for somebody who was having trouble. And they said, okay found out it was a character on a soap opera. They had got into it so bad. They were so earnestly wanting it to turn out a certain way. Vanity. It's the movies, people. Some, some heathen in Hollywood writes a script. There's nothing to it. He reflects his idea of <clears throat> reality. It's not so. It's something he made up, something he thinks of. That's why you hardly ever see in Hollywood a preacher in a good light or a Christian in a good light. 
<clears throat> used to be in uh, Walt Disney movies, Christians were in good life, normal life. Now, uh, Disney is homosexual. They've gone all the way, man. They've... Vanity, Facebook, <clears throat> TikTok. <coughs> all these things are totally vain. <clears throat> They're just images on an electronic screen for crying out loud. It's astonishing to me how many millions of people are following that and Twitter and all these other things. Faithful. Very faithful following these things. What does it add up to? Vanity. Nothing but vanity. And then the preacher preaches reality out of this book. It's an alien thing to them. Doesn't match. Doesn't match the psychology. Doesn't match the counselors. It just doesn't match. <clears throat> it, uh, I can't even think of all of them now. Uh, all the different women that are recording artists. I used to know who was who. I don't know them all now. Well, what is this girl's, this, what's her boyfriend now? And everybody's wondering that. They go to the, to the uh, 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 grocery store checkout counter and they get the latest magazine to find out who's dating who. Well, who cares? I mean, People Magazine. <laughs> So-and-so's wearing so-and-so and was seen at a certain nightclub with so-and-so. Okay, what's your point? <laughs> Vanity is my point. And they began to pay more attention to that and they do reality. The Lord Jesus Christ in the Bible. But thank God Jesus said, Satan had desired to sift you, but I pray for you that your faith fail not. We've looked at the sifting. Let's look at the saving. Remember this. The sifter, he loves the grain. You got corn, you got wheat in the seed. He loves that grain. He don't want it to fall through. He wants the other stuff to fall through. I prayed for this. Sifting is not a pleasant experience. Back and forth, shaking, tossed up and down. The grain has no rest nor peace. There's, there's but there's no anger in the sifter. He's not mad. The sifter does not sift the wheat because he does not like it, but because it's precious to him. So when you're going through the sifting, because you're precious, Unto God. God loves you. Jesus said, He purged the vine. I'm the vine. I'm going to purge you that you bear more fruit. Jesus said to the nation of Israel, There's going to be a remnant saved. In Ezekiel, we find God by demonstrations destroying the nation of Israel 
with Ezekiel's hair and beard, and then he says, take a few hairs and stick here in your girdle. That's a picture of what's going to happen in the tribulation period. It's going to be a remnant saying because God loves them. God loves you. <clears throat> Job said, when he had tried me, I shall come forth as gold. God told the Jewish remnant that he was going to refine them as silver is refined and try them as gold is tried. And Malachi, he said, he shall sit as a refiner and purifier of silver, and he shall purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver. That's what he's going to do to the Jewish people, and he loves us too. He loves the church. That's why he sifts the church. We believe, and I talked the other day, that he was thinning out the people. Whenever he said, eat my flesh and drink my blood or there's no life in you. They said, this is a hard saying. Who can receive it? And they left. Why didn't they say, Lord, I want to ask you a question. What do you really mean by that? That's what the disciples did. The disciples said, explain to us the parable of the sword. Tell us about this. And he did. But not them. I thought he was going to bring in the kingdom. I can't handle this. And they left. But Peter said, we can't go. To whom shall we go? You're the Messiah. you got the words of eternal life. All of our trials and tribulations come through a loving Father. We've got to remember that. And same for our church. And then, I think we need to remember that the sifter does not intend to destroy the grain. He's not after the wheat. He doesn't want to destroy the grain. He may chasten the grain a little bit. He may take one of those flails and beat it. He may put it in a grinder and grind it. He may just chastise it, but he's not intends to destroy it. He will not destroy it. It's precious to him. And then, I think we need to understand that the sifter intends that the least grain is to be saved. The very least one. <clears throat> this is a promise of eternal security. The sieve is sifted back and forth. We're going back and forth. He throws us up in the air, man. You know. <clears throat> he puts us on a nether millstone and we get ground into uh, you know, meal. But he intend the smallest one <clears throat> he's, in, he, he's interested in them being saved. The least spiritual of God's children will be tried and sifted back and forth. The most rebellious of God's children will be chastised. But they're not going to be lost. Well, Peter did some pretty bad things there when he denied the Lord. He shouldn't have gone in there in the first place, warming his hand at the fire. The other side was left. I don't know if Peter said this or not, but Peter might have said, hey, look, I'm going to find out what's going on. I'll let you know. 
Very dangerous, man. That's dangerous. Warming your hands. Was it not Peter who took a sword and tried to cut off a man's head and not let them take Jesus? And the man ducked and he cut off his ear. That's bad. But then Jesus picked up the ear and put it back on the man's head. That should have spoke to Peter. <clears throat> and I imagine it did, but he forgot it. Satan has desired to sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith fail not. And in the end, Peter was able to give one of the great confessions. He had three great confessions. We'll talk about that. <clears throat> now the least grain will be saved. Maybe sifted, maybe shaken up, may have to go through trial. <clears throat> but let God do the sifting and you stay true to God. Let God do the testing, but stay true to God. In the parable of the sower, that grain is there. And the Bible says the trials and the worries of this world, they fall away and are unfruitful. Don't let that happen to you. You're going to be tried. You're going to go through some terrible trials. You're going to feel like giving up. That's it. I'm giving up. But don't do it. Make your commitment to Christ after you're saved and your then commitment to Christ a life commitment. You're never, ever going to abandon that commitment. You may go through storms. may go through a hurricane. I don't know what's in store for you. But I, I will promise you this. In America, it's going to be worse. It's not going to get better. What are you going to do when it gets worse? Make up your mind now. You're going to stay true to God. Now, this is what we looked at. We looked at first the sifting. We looked at the sieve of persecution. We've not had much of that, but I believe it's coming. We looked at the sieve of heresy. We looked at the sieve of preaching. Preacher, it hurts my feelings. So I'm going to leave, you know. We looked at the sieve of trials and tribulations. We looked at the sieve of prosperity. We looked at the sieve of peer pressure. We looked at the sieve of vanity. And then we looked at the saving. Remember the sifter, he loves the grain. The sifter does not intend to destroy the grain. And the sifter intends that even the least little grain is going to be saved. He's for that. Let us pray. Father, I ask.